Hello, and welcome to Black Girls Drinking Wine. So, what are we drinking today? Today we are drinking Cupcake Moscato. It's a quick mix to get you fucked up, but still be classy because you picked it up in the wine aisle. Um, (laughs) what what are you guys laughing about are you guys judging my pick no we're we're laughing at the sound of the clinking or lack thereof it's not very powerful let's try it (laughs) one more time time. yep no okay it wasn't really you guys are so rude give this cupcake moscato it's due whatever Anyways, this is filled with aromas of white peach, grapefruit, and honeydew melon with a creamy, ripe lime citrus toasted finish. Ooh. The wines are only made with the best Glara grapes, the official grape of Cupcake Moscato. (laughs) That sounded so official. You should definitely be their spokesperson. And... Its country of origin is Italy, Ooh. not Brooklyn, because y'all think Cupcake Moscato is ratchet, but it actually is really good. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> fine. Let's take a sip. Let's take a sip. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> um, it's sweet. Yeah, it's a dessert wine. <laughs> Wow. Okay. It's okay. Whatever. I'm not like a fan of Moscato. I, I didn't ask if you were a, fi- a fan or not. <laughs> I'm getting you cupcake Moscato for your birthday. Okay, great. That passed already. So I'm looking forward to getting gross wine for my birthday. Next <sighs> Rude. <laughs> Anyways, the kettle is whistling and I don't have time for this negativity in my life. So... <laughs> I'm going to go get the kettle while you drink up this delicious wine. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've soaked my tea bag for at least 30 seconds, we can get into tea time. Okay. Here <laughs> is my reality TV quote. <clears throat> Your blood type is Pinot Grigio. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Who this said it? sounds like Real Housewives of New York. Yes, yes, yes. Is it Ramona? <gasps> well, actually, sorry. I believe Sonia told it to Ramona. But yeah, I knew Ramona was involved because if there's Pinot Grigio, there's Ramona. I mean, she. I think she even has her own Pinot Grigio. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tip for me was, I mean, honestly, that just sounds very Real Housewives of New York. Yeah. Pinot Grigio is gross. I don't it's like Pinot Grigio. It's, it's just, oh, does it have a high alcohol content and that's why they love it so much? Maybe. I mean, that makes sense. It's also very unseasoned and doesn't taste like anything. So, oh, but you unseasoned? Know- <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? You know what I mean. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I hope everyone watched the season finale of Insecure because I have mixed feelings about it. Really? Please share. 
I mean, I was watching the after the show interview, so I get what they were trying to do, but it was very like lackluster for like you know, like the past two season finales have been really like, I know what's happened, I know what's coming up next, like a big event happened. Like this one, there wasn't no big event happening. There are a lot of little mini events happening without endings. So it kind of felt like it ended in the middle of the happenings. Oh my goodness. I didn't feel that way. I felt like, and someone summed it up so well on Twitter of just like the role the couch plays in every finale, like season one, the couch um, she she was there on the couch with Molly crying and sobbing because she just, le- like, Lawrence had just left her. Season two, she's crashing on someone's couch. And then season three, she's in her own couch in her own damn apartment and things are on the up and up again for Issa. Like, are I feel they like- on the up and up because her new best friend is now dating her ex-boyfriend? <laughs> That's not her best friend. They're just going to collaborate together. I mean, no. how? She's over Lauren. She said so. I know. Anyone can say it, but then when they're still in your life, just lingering. Well, I don't know if Lawrence is is lingering. I mean, for me, like the season finale, I guess, because personally I'm in that space right now too. It was just really great to kind of see her focusing on herself like the scene of course where like Nansford is like giving his spiel which is clearly disclosing you know or talking about an undisclosed mental health issue um and he like kind of walks behind Issa as if he automatically thinks he's gonna like go into her apartment and she kind of gives him this look of like no boundaries and I think Issa's kind of finally learning to like place some boundaries like on her life and you know learning to kind of move independently I don't know I just felt like it was I don't know I took it like really personally Mm -hmm. the ending with her just kind of being by herself and like focusing on her stuff and like something as simple as like taking the time to like I don't know furnish your apartment after she's been living there for I don't know how many weeks now Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot I think the one thing though that I still have a problem with is the character development of Molly there was so much potential at the start of this episode, I mean, the start of the season where she has the boundaries with Dro and she takes her keys back. And then to just kind of see her throw it all away and be like messy at work and deal with that shit. And even, Oh, when she ran into Jared at the movie and how she was being like homophobic and just, it was disgusting. I'm kind of annoyed that Molly is just still messy Molly. Like how Issa had to tell her about herself of just like, I'm not like you. I don't cancel people, you know, for no reason or whatever. You know? I mean, I understand, but I think Molly is real life. Like I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, like she's not perfect. And I feel like she's there and they're giving her that storyline because It would be easy for her to be like, yes, I understand everything and I'm going to work with my partner. But then it's like, where does her storyline go? She fixes everything. 
Well, I think she's clearly in a state of like transition and a bit of free fall a little bit, especially towards the end of the season when she has that conversation with Andrew. I so fine. Um, yeah. So like, I feel like because she's in a state of transition, you do go through periods of where you regress a little bit. And unfortunately I think we saw Molly regress a lot in the last episode. Yeah. That so cemetery had a lot of ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I also feel like they were saying, like, I feel like season four is about to be lit AF because there's like these little bombs that they've placed, I think throughout season three that are going to detonate probably in season four. Oh my gosh. I can't wait till this Lawrence love triangle erupts. Like I know Issa doesn't want him no more, but still that's going to be a whole something. Yeah. Very six degrees of separation that, that comes back together. (laughs) Um, what other predictions do you have for season four? I think Molly is going to enter a relationship with Blazin Asian. And <laughs> I think Issa is going to find out about Lawrence and her work partner. And like, she's going to, that's going to become a crossroads on where she wants to go with this whole block party and creating things for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tiffany is gonna have her baby, and the other girl—I don't can't remember her name. Kelly. Kelly is gonna just continue being Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I would be curious to see how their friendship, the four of them, now that Tiffany—I mean, by the time we get to season four, she obviously is gonna have her baby by then. Like how they're gonna be, how they're gonna navigate that transition now that one of them is a parent. Yeah, we shall see. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little bit worried about that friendship. <laughs> I know they'll be fine. Also, in tea time, Cardi B had to go to the police office because she tried to fight two strippers that apparently slept with Offset. Um. <laughs> What song is that? Uh, Bad and Bougie. Ah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I'm laughing because I'm trying to remember the configuration from one of our earlier episodes when we decided who was takeoff, Quavo, or Offset. I mean, I am Offset. <laughs> I don't know about you two. <laughs> Wait, I think... I think Nikki is Quavo <laughs> and Stella is Honcho. Is that the other one's name? Honcho? Who the hell is Honcho? Quavo. I don't know. Quavo. Oh, Lord. Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> Anyways, they went, Cardi B went to the police precinct because two strippers accused her of attacking them in the strip club in Queens. When she found out one of them was trying to talk to Offset or Offset slept with one of them. And she walked out of jail looking like a million bucks. And she just, they don't have evidence that she actually did anything to these said strippers. And yeah, so I'm really happy Cardi B was released. Well, she was never arrested, but I think the charges were dropped. Oh, well, she looked great while it was all going down. Yeah, she is glowing. Like, I feel like now she's officially transitioned into a celebrity. Mm -hmm. There was a point where she was, like, kind of, like, still, like, she 
was trying to hold on to her old Cardi B way. She even changed her Instagram picture. <gasps> it's not the buns anymore? No. Oh my God. So what feel, is it? It's like the picture of her coming out of jail. But her she look, obviously doesn't look like that, but she looks amazing in the blonde wig. That. I really love that blonde on her. I know she looks really good, but I think she's officially transitioned into celebrity and it looks good on her. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You know what doesn't look good on her? What? Being in a police precinct after some dick. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care that he's the father of your kids and that he's your husband or whatever, but the fact that she's in there for potentially being related to something that had something to do with the possibility of her husband slash baby's father, like, fucking up with these ladies makes me really mad, actually. So while I'm here for the looks, do better, girl. Or just better in general and leave him. We don't know what happened. We don't know if he fucked these women. We know that these women were like instigating and pissing her off. We don't know everything. Yeah, they could have been talking about her baby. But I don't think she was pregnant when it happened. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. like, we really don't know. That's just what other people are saying happened. Like, I'm sure there's way more to this story. I don't think it's just that, like, oh, well, like, it has to be more. I really. I'm sorry. I believe that there's more to the story. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that she went off or up for him after he his behavior obviously showed that he was not being faithful. I'm sorry. I'm just not a fan of women going up for dudes that ain't shit. <laughs> I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't care if he's the father of your child. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't shit. Go off. <laughs> Party Take <today>. off. <laughs> Offset. Take off. Yeah, I feel like because I just went off, I think I'm take off and Nikki's cool. <laughs> you just created a whole new member of the Migos. <laughs> new Migos number went off. <laughs> You're like having so much fun with this. Keep going. I know. No, I feel like that's a joke that someone's auntie would make. What's the name? What's the name of those little those three young men? Went off. Go go off. Went what's off. The, uh, go off. Show off. Like who, who is it? Oh, on set. set. Like, on set. On set. Diabetes. <laughs> I'm so over you guys. <laughs> oh wait, we had way too much fun with that. But speaking of things that may not be as fun. Today, we thought it would be a really good idea to talk about self-care, the medical edition. So we all get sick. Unfortunately, we all have to go to the doctor. But for African-American, Black, however you identify us as a community, there's a little bit of stuff in there about going to the doctor. So in terms of how we get access to health care and just thinking about going to the doctor as a community... I know for myself personally, in my family, going to the doctor and taking care of yourself was not something that was prioritized, whether it be just for a checkup or for more serious injuries. Um, a lot of those that attitude, I think, has to do with a lot of barriers that we face as a community of getting access to the care that we obviously deserve and need. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, I thought it would be good to really talk about this and with it being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, 
it would just be a great idea to talk about, you know, health and how it relates to our community and taking care of ourselves. This makes me think about older people in my family who kind of see going to the doctor as a way to invite bad health in. So you'll stay healthy if you avoid the doctor, but once you go to the doctor, your life is ruined and you're going to find out something awful. And then that's the fast track to the grave, which really makes sense. But I feel like this is a very common line of thinking for people like our parents and aunts and uncles and then that generation. Yeah, I think so too. I think going to the doctor is not something that's prioritized, especially in the West Indian community, because we think we can heal everything ourselves with Mm -hmm. methylated spirits or tea or a hot rag um, or Epsom salt. So I think it's really hard to convince people to go to the doctor when they're actually sick or they need help. And you're like, you should go to the doctor. Like, no, I just did this and this. And they don't know. Those doctors don't know what they're talking about is always kind of the response you get. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think historically in this country, I'm not so much sure or privy to kind of the practices um, in the Caribbean, although I'm sure they're similar, where we don't really have the best relationship with healthcare providers as a community. I mean, from all the clinical trials and testing that were done without our consent um, to physicians not listening to people of color, um, to being, you know, just dismissed, um, you know, having the, the, <laughs> the black body or, or just bodies in general that belong to people of color, there seems to be this internalized view among physicians that we can, we have a high tolerance for pain. And therefore, when we exhibit pain or discomfort or health issues, they're not taken as seriously. And that's a bias, I think, that is practiced very, very, very heavily um, against people of color and and Black people. Um, Which actually has me thinking, since we're all ladies, thinking about like our gynecological care and and reproductive health, Um, particularly thinking about just like if we decide to have kids or when Black women are, are thinking about family planning, um, I forgot the name of the article I was reading, um, but they had done this like survey about how many Black women get concerned about family planning because they get nervous about having, when they give birth, is the doctor going to listen to them? Am I just going to be cut open? It's really, really, really traumatic for us. I, one of the reasons I think it's traumatic for us to like go to the doctor or even talk about being sick is because we feel that we're going to be taken advantage of. Um, and just, I never looked at it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think it is extremely valid and like with history, that's something that's really real in the black community for women. Um, and I think GYN care is kind of something that we don't really talk about in terms of reproduction, like reproductive health. I think it's kind of something sometimes you just go where you're like, I think I may have something or something's not right, but it's not something where it's like a consistent check-in with your GYN doctor. Mm. I, um, I'm just thinking back to all the interactions I've had with gynecologists 
and like emergency room doctors uh, before my endometriosis was diagnosed. And I felt like I was, first off, I mean, I definitely was treated as though um, it was purely mental. Like the pain that I was experiencing wasn't real. And the response that I got from doctors was like them assuming that I was just like drug seeking or something. This was like in my late teens and early twenties. Um, and so it was just like, I used to dread my period because I knew that, you know, it's going to get so bad to the point where nothing's going to help the pain and I'm going to need to see someone, but they're going to treat me weird and question whether or not I'm really in pain. And I would feel like, I mean, before I knew I had endometriosis, I could only describe the pain as someone is in there stabbing their way out. Cause it was just I, like, I wouldn't be able to sit up. I wouldn't be able to go to classes. I, you know, I couldn't go to work or do anything when the pain was that bad. And so I could see why black women, especially feel apprehension with seeking out medical care, especially gynecological care, because, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm in the process now of trying to find a black GYN doctor because of instance, like instances I've had even recently with white gynecologists. So, um, you know, that, that is something that I still kind of struggle with. And thank God I was able to like get the diagnosis and know, okay, I wasn't a crazy person, but that's kind of how people treated me. Like this pain isn't real. And it's like, whatever. And it was, it was like one of the most affirming experiences when I finally found a doctor who was like, you have endometriosis. These are the symptoms. This is why you feel like this. And I was able to get treatment for it and, you know, have a laparoscopy and, and all that stuff done. Um, to help the situation, but it took a very long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And that, that, you know, kind of where racism, of course, and medical care intersect. I mean, a lot of the physicians, I don't know if now in med school, this is part of their core curriculum, but they're, it's almost a cultural competency is completely seems to not be a part of their curriculum, or if it is, they get like one little small class or elective or something, and that's it. Um, There really needs to be more cultural competency and sensitivity amongst physicians, any healthcare providers or, or, um, you know, other people, assistants that when it comes to different like cultures, you have to be sensitive. Like it can't, like, it shouldn't be that if me as a black woman and a white woman down the hall come in and to give birth at the same time, it shouldn't be that this woman is allowed to, okay, well, I want to keep seeing if I can push, but the other doctor is telling me, no, we need to like, you need an emergency section right away. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it definitely, like I said, it's definitely something that even for myself personally, when I think about family planning, just overall sense of like fear and like, feeling really hesitant. Um, and to what Mickey was saying, like I currently have um, a black GYN. And for me, just for my health in general, I, I for me, it's really important to have physicians, whether it's my therapist, my GYN or my PCP, who looks like me, 
I just don't feel safe anymore as a patient, having had my own personal past experiences as well, where I can sit down in a doctor's office um, of a white physician's office and have them assess me physically and be like, okay, well, I don't think that this is something that's an issue. It, the, just the language alone is very triggering for me. So I just stopped seeing white physicians. It's like, the, it's like you feel like you're not believed and there's like this mistrust that goes both ways. And not saying that all white physicians are like this, but I, I haven't met one who wasn't. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There, there needs to be a shift for sure, because compounded on top of the mistrust that is put upon us by the physician, we have experienced that. And like you were saying, it it goes both ways. So it kind of comes this cycle of, well, I don't trust these doctors because they don't listen to me. So I'm not just going to go. And then the thing that honestly bothers me the most in terms of thinking about health in the black community is I don't, I mean, I know why this happens and it's more of an equity resource issue of people that we know dying at like 60, 50, 55, like 70, like that shouldn't be the case because what, like in terms of lack of resources of healthy food or information about how to eat better and how, you know, eating certain foods in your twenties has like long-term effects for your certain population, like in your fifties, like it drives me fucking nuts. (laughs) It drives me nuts. It shouldn't be, I can't tell you how many patients I work at a cancer hospital come in every day, particularly women of color who have gone either undiagnosed or just talking about previous assessments that they just didn't have because their, their healthcare provider either didn't tell them or the patient didn't ask the question. It's, it's killing us literally. And it, it, it's something that when I think about my own family, like scares the shit out of me. Mm. Like I, I don't like, I'm tired of hearing that same like story of like, Oh, they had diabetes and then they went to diabetic coma, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Well, why is it that other people have access to these resources and we don't. Yeah. And then it's a multi-layered part of like insurance and like all that other bullshit. It's like, it's the healthcare system in this country is systemically set up to kill black people as it is right now. Because you, there's no, like, there's no way that like other people who are having similar diseases. And then you talk about genetic predispositions. There may be other diseases that we as a community are privy to we should have the same access and resources like everybody else. And we also like therapeutic component of let's talk about like why we don't feel safe, like seeing the doctor. Yeah. Sorry, that got a bit deep, but it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And it like, I'm like getting hot because it makes me really upset. No, as it should. I mean, I think even you saying, talking about things that we eat now in our twenties affecting us later, like I'm sure like I didn't I don't know what that is or what that entails because it's not something that's been presented to me or something that it's like you should research this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again it, between the racism lack of equity and resources and everything else I mean like I don't know what else like I'm supposed to think or not take it or not take it personally um, but speaking of personal health um, in terms of us um how often do you guys go to the doctor oh i'm really bad 
Me too. <laughs> I literally go to urgent care for everything. I actually need a, a primary care physician. I have, I do, I can recommend you to a black OBGYN. Uh, okay. I know you. Thank you. So there's one. Huh? Text me that information ASAP. There's this thing in New York. I think it's outside of New York also called One Medical Group. And uh, yes. I had a black OBGYN. She was my she was my OBGYN and my regular care doctor. Ming, I think I I think I know who you're talking about. Like black woman, Afro, like so nice. Mm-hmm. Like I loved her and then like I changed my insurance so I couldn't do her anymore. So I changed to another mm-hmm. black physician, um, OBGYN, who was also um like I went because I was like, uh, what's going on with my body? She's like, Oh, it's normal. So then she like gave me like a home remedy also to like cure what I was going through and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this I would have never gotten this from a regular physician or non black African American physician. She wouldn't have known how to cure this. So I can give you their numbers. But And you brought up a point, um yeah. about the alternative aspects, because the thing about it too, is that it, I feel like that's why it's important to have physicians that look like you or are at least familiar with your genetic predispositions to diseases, um, genetic risk factors, etc. Because what standard pharmaceutical produced medication might work for one patient may not work for you. There may be alternative or homeopathic remedies or, or, or you know lifestyle adaptations that would work better for that group or that like specific patient. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I know for myself, I'm okay with going to the doctor. My GYN is also my PCP and is also black. Um, my ophthalmologist is black. My dentist is black. Um, my therapist is black. So yeah, for me, I tried to go to the doctor as soon as I feel something, but I'm also a neurotic patient who will go to the doctor if I even think something is wrong. <laughs> and I work at a, at a cancer hospital, so that doesn't exactly help. Um, but I'm moderately okay, I think. I mean, I want to the be better. But when I actually go to the doctor, I do feel really accomplished. I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. It. I guess in my head, going to the doctor, it's like this big thing. And then when I'm there, I'm like, oh, we're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's always a, a bit of like anxiety, like setting up the appointment, oh getting there. Yeah. And then actually talking to the physician or nurse practitioner about whatever may be going on or not going on um, with you. But yeah, it's, it's important to go. It's really important to go. But yes. Speaking of taking care of ourselves. Stuff we love. <laughs> That's not the is way it, Stella it sings me? it. Okay, Stella, take it away. <laughs> Stuff we love. Ooh, very nice. You guys are so annoying. Um, okay, so last weekend... 
Stella, Ming, and I, we were at Artist and Fleas in Williamsburg because Ming was selling um, the Hump Zebra products, um, sweatshirts, tote bags, you know, check it out, thehumpzebra.com. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Stella and I are, you know, humble interns and um, Ming finally allowed us to take a break. Um, no, uh, we decided to do a lap around the venue because of course it's a predominantly white space. And so when you see other black people, you get excited. Like there was, um, (laughs) there at the table, Next to us, um, there was a wonderful leather bag um, company called um, um, A Heritage Legacy. I think that I think that's their name on Instagram too. Shout out to you guys! Um, and it was really nice meeting them. And they're from um, Botswana, and um, they were talking about being in the states for a bit to try selling their products here. Um, so we naturally just like got excited to see other black vendors and it was really cute how excited we would get for each other whenever someone had, you know, and then another woman, um, I can't remember her name, but she was selling vintage designer, um, clothing, right. Or yes. Vintage designer clothing. Um, and so she would come around and and check up on us and say, Hey, or whatever. So it was just like, okay, let's look around and see who else is Brown. (laughs) And in the process, we met, um, the creator of ELO lip care. Um, and he had us try some lip balm and we could smell this amazing, um, room spray that they had put in the diffuser. And he was talking about, um, you know, basically his mission is just to produce like vegan, um, vegan products, um, that are long lasting and not harmful to the environment. And you don't need to be dependent on the products. The goal is to like reduce waste and all of that, which really just was awesome. And, um, we both ended up buying the room spray. The one that I got is called Marquise. And the really great thing about this um, luxury cotton spray is that it comes with a spray. um, What do you call it? Like a spray head or whatever you screw on, but you can also use it in your diffuser and a little bit goes a long way. I'm using it right now in this moment. It's in the diffuser in my bedroom and it smells amazing and it lasts a really long time. Um, and also the lip balm is so good. They're all natural. Um, they use fruits and to, to like get the pigment. So it's not, there's nothing artificial. I think it's like six ingredients or less. It's really great. So that's what I've really been obsessing over lately. And everything just smells amazing. Ugh. I can't wait to buy more things. <laughs> uh, I will uh, co-sign on that. I too also have the same scent uh, of that uh, aromatherapy spray um, and the lip balm. It's, I mean, amazing. Um, we will include this um, in our stuff. We love uh, highlight section actually on our Instagram page. So you guys can take a look and see, you know, a collection of the stuff we love. So speaking of stuff we love, 
I am currently obsessed with aromatherapy sprays. I was telling Ming about this last week, I think. Aromatherapy sprays for me are just life. So I have three of them, I think, in rotation. One of them actually is from one of the vendors from Artists and Fleas last week, uh, the Nicole Rose Studio. Let me tell you something about this spray. She has a jasmine spray that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, apparently, for all my ladies out there, jasmine is like a natural like aphrodisiac or something. That's not why I use it. But it's good as a spray like to just freshen up like your linens or your room. Or yoga mat. Um, I'm also currently using a lavender spray and also a eucalyptus and mint spray. For me personally, going to sleep uh, can be a bit of a struggle for me or staying asleep. So I like to kind of spray my pillows and linens before tucking in for the evening. Um, it helps me calm the fuck down. So yeah, I'm obsessed. <laughs> um, in regards to the Nicole Rose um Aromatherapy sprays. The packaging is great. It's like in this like brown like glass bottle. Um, it's just really really cute. Um, and we'll include that um, information at the end of the episode so you guys can check out her stuff. It's really great. I also bought her lavender hand rolled incense, and it's been pretty good. Um, it lasts a while, and it's really good quality. It's really thick incense sticks that. I mean, you don't even need to light the full stick to get the full aroma for hours and hours and hours. It definitely sets a nice, peaceful mood. I like aromatherapy as well. I'm a fan. So a lot of good, nice smelling things have been have been very therapeutic for me in recent weeks. I will say that. <laughs> Ming, who is joining us via iPhone because of some connectivity issues. Um, Ming, what do you love? Speak into the mic, honey. I, I, <laughs> go on, I love... Go on, baby. Go on. <laughs> I love nail polish, red nail polish specifically. Like, I am obsessed with it. I think it looks so good on my skin color. <laughs> and also, just give me pills so powerful and I feel like it really stands out when you're walking down the street or if you're doing a transaction at a register or you're holding your phone and I get so many compliments whenever I do red nail polish. The only bad thing about it is if I do red too much it stains my nail and take a break. So that's what I'm obsessed with right now. Nice. So I hear the church organ playing. That means it is time for Black Girls Gospel. I have a quote by Dr. Maya Angelou. Success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. Lovely. Well... That has been another episode of Black Girls Drinking Wine. We love you. Check your boobies. And speaking of check your boobies, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So please go check out the site, knowyourgirls.org, to find out about how to decrease your risk of breast cancer, whether it be exercise, diet, other lifestyle changes, learning about getting screening mammograms, 
um, and other criteria in which to prevent breast cancer. Um, we'll post the link to that site um, at the end of this episode and on our Instagram page. So check your boobies. Check, check. <laughs> okay, I think that's it. Bye, guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye.